You're listening to the Red Wave Report, the number one rated Fresno State podcast, the official free podcast of thebarkboard.com. The thoughts and opinions are that of the show hosts and in no way reflect the thoughts and opinions of the university. Welcome back, everyone, to another edition of the Red Wave Report. I'm Lucio Rick, your host of the show, being joined, as always, with the publisher of the Bark Board, Mr. Jackson Moore. And Jackson, how did you survive today out in this heat uh, for football camp today? Oh, yeah, it was hot for day one of fall camp. You know, I was real excited to, to get out there. Um, you know, I had some traveling over the month of July and got it back in time, just in time for camp. I uh, was excited to see all the new players, but whew, they did <laughs> practice a little later in the day than we're used to, <laughs> which meant it got hotter. And uh, I'll tell you, even through my camera lens, you know, I'm used to seeing that sun about horizontal during the first week of camp, and it was right on top of everyone, <laughs> even wow. from the start of practice. So it was a hot one. Uh, the team, you know, they were a little rusty coming out on the first day, as you would imagine. And I imagine the heat probably had a little to do with that. And 35 newcomers who had never practiced with the Bulldogs before. So uh, a little bit different atmosphere than uh, we saw in the spring. But that's going to settle out real quick here in camp, I'm sure. Well, and, and things are, uh, from this point last year, they're a little bit better because the air quality this year has not been as bad as last year. Even with the wildfires happening right now it seems like the air quality is somewhat better than what was going on last year at this time uh, during camp. Right, Jackson? Yeah. I mean, it was a beautiful day out there. Regardless of the heat, uh, we got a little bit of a breeze going for a little bit. Uh, the air quality's good. Um, even though there's been some fires in California, it, uh, it hasn't quite impacted the Bulldogs. We've seen some, some really bad years out there in the past, but, um, it didn't seem to be much of an issue today. Uh, just you got a lot of players coming from outside of the valley that are going to have to get used to this heat pretty quick. <laughs> they they have officially had a rude awakening when it comes to the heat out here. Uh, it's something that if you're from the area, it, it doesn't phase you. If you're not from the area, uh, it can literally take your breath away. Uh, and uh, it takes a little bit of time of getting used to it. But unlike some of these other states, uh, which are, are the, uh, you know, the, the southern states where the humidity really kicks it into gear uh, to another notch for you, here, the humidity, not so much. So it's, it's a little easier to deal with. But uh, on the other hand, I still don't like the heat, Jackson. I, I, I'd rather not sweat. Uh, it's just, you know, when you step outside and you're already instantly feeling like you're going to have to take three or four showers that day, I, I, you know, I just don't like it. Um, but I don't know about you. You seem like you've been out of the state for a little bit of time, taking some time off. How did that go for you, Jackson? Yeah, I was actually in uh, Jacksonville for a bit, um, and uh, I'll tell you the humidity there was something else. <laughs> I think <laughs> I was more miserable there with 90 degrees and a lot of humidity than I was out there today, but uh, it's 100 degrees plus still never gets quite easy, but um, yeah, the, uh, it was a little bit of an adjustment, but um you know, it was just—I think, especially on day one, you're just excited to be out there. You try to forget about that stuff, and even though you're drenching in sweat, it was fun to be back out there. 
was really fun to see Coach Tedford out there being real jovial. I mean, uh, he answered the football questions very sternly, as we expect him to do. But when he was asked about what it was like to be back out there, you could just see it and hear it from him how, uh, you know, he was in a position where he thought he was never going to coach again, and, and now he's back, and he's really embracing it and loving it. Uh, at the same time, uh, he's going to try to get this team into shape and make sure that they live up to the expectations. So you, you got a chance to go out there today, and for your very first impression, uh, seeing the uh, Coach Tedford back and, and some of the the staff changes and uh, players that are there, you know, just an overall feel. What, what were you feeling uh, being there at practice, knowing full well this is a whole new coaching staff all over again. Uh, of course, there are some key coaching members that are still in place, but there's a lot of different pieces there this year. Some players have left, some players have come in. You know, what's your overall sense? Kind of the same the the last time Tedford on his first year, or uh, a little bit more relaxed this time. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of a, an odd spot because of course, when Tedford was here the first time around coming in in 2017, it was a massive rebuild overhaul. I mean, <laughs> you're telling me we're both looking yeah. at the roster going, who the <laughs> hell are all these players? We knew nobody on there. Yeah, exactly. And this time around, I mean, you've got such an experienced team, a lot of returners, some of the positions, I mean, you don't even have to worry about newcomers or position battles it's pretty much settled already um but at the same time this team has 35 new players on it and that's just they're talking about the guys that are here for fall that's not including all the other players they added in the spring a couple of more guys that'll get into the uniform here in the, the coming days and so you've got this kind of weird mesh of a veteran team that really looked like they didn't skip a beat in the spring even with all these new coaches you know uh, it wasn't very different. The offense was very similar. The defense was picking up things. Um, but now you're in fall camp and you've got all these freshmen. You know, they're not just new to the team. They're new to college football in general. So they're, you know, getting their feet under them. You've got a whole bunch of junior college guys on the team right now. You've got some D1 transfers that just made it in. So it kind of feels like a step back in terms of just getting the fundamentals and the basics down. Uh, getting everyone on the same page, getting the, all these new guys adjusted to what these veterans have been doing for years. So this is going to play out for a little bit. I think, you know, by week one, week two, it'll settle down. They'll get to a depth chart and they'll really be full steam ahead for the season. And we've got some position battles to really keep an eye on as well. I mean, we talked about continuity at a lot of spots, but you look at the O-line, D-line, even, you know, there's a couple of other positions scattered around that, are really up for grabs, and it feels like it's not just one or two guys that are in contention. There could be a lot of different players that fill those spots. And, you know, those kinds of things didn't quite play out today just because they're not in pads. Um, you know, there's not a whole lot that gets accomplished outside of installation and, and basic running around and, um, you know, some shells and things. But for us, uh, it confirmed a lot of things. You know, there were players that were on the roster, we confirmed. There were players that weren't expected that we, you know, we didn't even know about that showed up today, which usually happens on the first day of fall camp. Uh, we got our first look at a lot of players. I spent most of my time looking at the offense. And so uh, we're going to have a lot of features on barkboard.com today and throughout the week. I uh, have my impressions of the first day in depth. I'm going to go over uh, pretty much all the offensive players, the new guys that I saw today and 
Um, yeah, we're going to have a photo gallery on them as well to get Bulldog fans' eyes on them since it's, the practices are closed to the public, of course. I uh, also want to share that we've got a, a premium sale going on right now. If you haven't joined VI, Barkboard VIP yet already, uh, you can get all the access for 50% off a whole year right now. It's only $4.48 per month, uh, which is less than a gallon of gas right now. And then if you're not, not yeah, uh, well, it wasn't less than the, the uh, gallon of gas in a lot of places I went to in July, but <laughs> it was when I got back home. It is now. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, if you're not quite sure you want to commit for that long and you just want to try it out for a month, which is perfect for fall camp, which lasts a month, <laughs> you can join for just a month. So get all that scoop and try it out and see if you want to be a member long term from there. And also for our current VIP subscribers, if you're only a monthly subscriber, uh, this sale is also applied to you as well. If you want to upgrade to an annual subscription, you're going to save a whole lot of money over the course of 12 months if you make the jump to annual and uh, lock yourself in there. Um, so all that's on barkboard.com. It's right on the front page. And um, you can go ahead and, and sign up there if you want. And uh, make sure once you're signed up, you find the Barkboard Insider Board where uh, we're posting a lot more than just the stories. Yeah, absolutely. That's the place to go if you really want to uh, get your information. The premium board is ex- exactly where you want to be. Uh, if you want to sound like the smartest guy in the room uh, knowing the latest information, uh, you probably want to be a part of the premium board so that you can uh, really impress your uh, your friends by letting them know some of the information that may not otherwise be previewed to the public. Uh, but, you know, just getting things geared up, Jackson, I'm, I, I'm excited about the football season getting started, especially with what the Bulldogs have in store this upcoming season. It just seems like they are loaded in uh, certain spots. But uh, again, this is like you said, there's a lot of new faces coming in. Um, and there's some key positions that are going to need to be overhauled in order for the Bulldogs to make a run at a title. Um, so let's, let's, let's get started position by position. Let's, let's, let's give them a primer here for our fans. Let's start off at the quarterback position. Granted, this position is pretty solid, but you know, you've got Jake Hayner at the, at the starting quarterback, but there's a lot of questions still behind, uh, Hayner as to who is the heir apparent, um, to be the number the number two quarterback in the system. There's a lot of names being thrown around, yet they still have not settled on one. What's your overall thoughts as they head into camp now uh, on the quarterback situation? Yeah, you know, this is uh, the time of the year where uh, Jake Hayner is kind of the background as far as what we're looking for at practice. Uh, you know, he's, of course, a preseason All-American, lots of expectations, and Part of the reason why Fresno State's expected to be so good this year, right? I mean, you have a quarterback as special as Jake Hayner, you're going to have high expectations. And likewise, if that quarterback were, you know, knock on wood to get hurt or have to miss some time, then the expectation of your team probably changes quite a bit. So uh, number two quarterback job is a very critical one for this team. Uh, it never really got settled last year with Logan Fife and Jalen Henderson, and they're both back. But now they've got even more competition. It's even more crowded with Three new quarterbacks as added. Uh, Alec Trujillo uh, got into the mix last spring, but uh, Trujillo didn't take a lot of the uh, number two reps. Um, so uh, probably not a contender, but 
Uh, the Bulldogs did go out. They added another three-star quarterback in this recruiting class in Joshua Woods. Got my first chance to see him today. Very tall, very long, very athletic quarterback. You know, he looks very similar to the Jalen Henderson body type. And, uh, you know, he's a very intriguing athlete. He's got a nice arm. Uh, looks very good on his first day. But the guy that really changes things for Fresno State is Matt Robinson, a transfer from Illinois, who I got my first chance to see today. Definitely not the tallest quarterback. Uh, Jake Hayner's probably got an inch or two on him, and we know Hayner is not uh, the tallest as, as far as quarterbacks come. Uh, but he was throwing the ball pretty nicely out there today. Uh, I mean, long way to go. Not a lot to really take away as far as the battle goes, but it definitely looks like they've got three or four quarterbacks that are going to be fighting for this job. And, you know, Robinson's got the intangibles. He's got the experience. Um, you know, he should be probably the favorite to get that backup job, but uh, we'll see. The Bulldogs have a lot of talent in that room, especially, you know, as far as the evaluations, the offers, the ratings for Henderson and Wood. I mean, they're as great as Fresno State's had in a long time. So a lot of different ways this one can go. But, you know, you would expect they brought in Robinson to be the guy, and but he's got to earn it. Yeah, this is definitely going to be one of those where, uh, as as the season progresses, a clear number two should should stick out, but uh, it only means that probably one of the other quarterbacks may find themselves looking for a place to go. Uh, but that being said, moving on, uh, running back position, uh, of course, another one of those where we know who the starting running back is going to be, but then it kind of drops off right after Mims. So how does how is that one going to shake out? They really need to find another go-to running back to help solidify that position because if they rely on Mims to try and do it all by himself, uh, he's got a track record of being injury-prone, and that's something that the Bulldogs should be a little concerned with, right, Jackson? Yeah, I mean, there was definitely a very different-looking room today for day one. Um, I mean, the Bulldogs brought in four running backs, and you know they only returned five, and two of those players were injured. Um, Jonathan Arsenault is... Uh, he was injured in the spring, and Coach Tedford confirmed today his injury is probably going to take out most of his season this fall as well. Um, Javon Bigelow is still also, he didn't practice in the spring. He was rehabbing today. So it's a very different looking running back room. You've got Jordan Mims in the front, of course, and you've got Malik Sherrod, who has been kind of flirting with that number two position for a year or two now. He had two really good springs back to back, and last fall he had a really good fall camp, but just not a lot of reps to go after Ronnie Rivers and Jordan Mims last year, but um, Mims did get some of those third reps when the opportunity came. The other guy that worth getting them was Jordan Wilmore, who entered the transfer portal in Utah State now. So the Bulldogs also, they went out, they got Simi Bakari, a transfer from Missouri. Got my first chance to see him today. Um, he was listed at six foot three by uh, Missouri. He's listed at five foot eleven by Fresno State, so a large <laughs> discrepancy there. Um, we had reported to our VIP members that there that was probably going to be expected, that we heard he was not as tall as uh, was reported at Missouri, but um, definitely looks the part. I mean, he's got very similar measurables to Jordan Mims. He's uh, an impressive-looking running back, and um, we're going to wait, of course, until we see him get into some live action, but he's looking the part. Uh, him and Sherrod should be battling for this job. We'll see if Bigelow can get in the mix and get healthy to make a run as well. He was kind of the guy in 2020 uh, before some injuries took a toll on him. Um, but 
the what's really inflated the running back room is uh, three preferred walk-on freshmen, and there's some really interesting guys in there. You've got Caden Rogers, who's a six foot, two hundred and twenty a pound uh, pounder from Buchanan High School, who you know was a star running back, was a star linebacker, was a star wrestler. I mean, this guy has. Uh, I mean, I hate to put expectations on a true freshman walk-on, but he's got a lot of Josh Hokett on him, and I'm not the first one to make that comparison by any means. So really excited to see what his future is. Another local that just joined the roster today, there were some you know, reports and some rumors over the past couple of weeks, but Ryan Workington out of Reedley High School has officially joined the roster today. We've got a story on that and a really nice picture of him in action for his first day of practice on the site. Uh, so that was exciting to see. And another preferred walk-on, we don't know a whole lot about, Justin Gwynn out of San Marin High School. Uh, he actually was a, a very productive running back at the high school level, big numbers. Um, did not see uh, a whole lot of recruitment come his way, though. So um, this is a group where you're probably relying on Mims, Bakari, and Sherrod, but um, maybe Bigelow gets healthy and makes an impact, or maybe one of these uh, younger players surprises and, and fills in. Um, but if you're Fresno State and you want to have that dream season, you got to have those top three guys, Mims, Bakari, Sherrod, healthy, and Bakari and Sherrod really making an impact in that committee behind Mims because, you know, it, Mims has had health issues in the past. Um, doing, you know, putting, doing what he did against Nevada and San Diego State and UTEP for 12 to 14 games is going to be a tough ask. Even last year, after he had the big back-to-back weeks, the the previous staff really pulled back against Boise State with him. So they need someone to really take some of the pressure and the reps off to keep him healthy throughout the season. And probably going to be one of those guys, Sherrod or Bakari. Uh, two very different running backs, too. So, um, you know, they both bring something to the table. Maybe they can both coexist with Mims. But, um, you know, we'll see how it shakes out here over camp. Yeah, that's definitely might be one of those uh, chances where we may see some of the running backs, uh, you know, set themselves apart once the season happens. Because uh, sometimes uh, running backs look a little different uh, in a game than they actually do in a practice. I don't know why, but it it seems to happen over and over. Um, next, the wide receiver position. Of course, we know this one. Uh, for the Bulldogs is pretty much stacked at the wide receiver position. Heading that group, of course, is Jalen Cropper, who, uh, barring a, you know an injury or a horrible season this year, may look like he may be ready to make the jump to the NFL after this season. Um, what are your thoughts on where where the, the wide receiver group is and uh, how Cropper seems to be fitting in in this whole uh, offense this year? Yeah, um, you know, the the players always, it's tough to gauge how they look on day one because those jerseys, you know, they're meant to have shoulder pads. So all the guys are wearing these loose jerseys and they're wearing uh, shorts and, you know, they look different than when they have the pad, the full gear on and everything. But you could kind of tell a couple of players that really uh, took advantage of the off season and Jalen Cropper and Josh Kelly, to me, both look like two of those guys, which especially Cropper. He made a lot of gains this past off season. Uh, I didn't know if there was much more room for him to grow, uh, but he does look bigger. He does look like he's matured a whole lot. That beard has grown in, and uh, yeah, he looks like uh, about like an NFL guy uh, when you combine all that with his talents and his speed, the speed that he brings to the table. So, um, 
you know, the receiver group is one of the most uh, stable positions on the team. Uh, beyond that, uh, Cropper and Kelly, you still have Zane Pope back for the sixth year. You've got um, Nico Remigio coming in as a graduate transfer from Cal. Uh, he's going to be in that mix. Um, you've got Ty Jones still the second year or sixth year senior, but second year Bulldog out of Washington. Um, the six foot four, big tall receiver. He might get a chance to shine a little more with Carrick Wheatfall gone as the only graduating senior from that group. And certainly don't forget about Eric Brooks, who has really done a great job at Fresno State, earned that scholarship, made that big touchdown against UCLA before the even bigger touchdown <laughs> by Cropper to win that game. So, I mean, they've got six solid, uh, better than solid. They have six guys that could probably start on most Mountain West teams or even some Power Five teams for some of the guys. You've still got Magdalena, um, Amorie Edwards, who you just figure they're going to get a bigger role before their Bulldog career is over, but might be tough this season. And then for me, I had a lot of eyes on the true freshmen today, uh, two really um, high-expected recruits that are in for the Bulldogs as true freshmen, uh, Nathan Acevedo out of San Diego and the Bulldogs' top-ranked commit, Jalen Moss out of uh, Menlo Atherton, same place as Jordan Mims. Um, Moss, real long athlete, looks like he's got a lot of potential. Acevedo has a lot of speed, um, really, you know, probably more polished, but um, I was really excited about what I saw from those two guys today. It's going to be tough for them to play much this year, but they, I mean, this is what we do at Barkboard. We watch the new guys, we watch the young guys, we watch the up-and-comers, and, you know, you, you'll know who's going to play before they ever <laughs> earn those roles uh, by, through our coverage. And, I mean, these are two guys that are just primed to be key players for the Bulldogs, whether it's 23 or 24, as some of the Bulldogs graduate. Um, uh, I think the Bulldogs got a really good duo right there. It's just going to be tough for them to, to surpass any of the veterans that are on the current roster. Yeah, I mean, like you said, this is a very deep position for the Bulldogs. So, um, you know, if one of them goes down, there's plenty of players on uh, on that squad to to pick up the the pieces uh, where they left off. Or so this uh, this is going to be a fun group of uh, wide receivers to watch this year, and uh, hopefully, uh, Hayner can. Uh, stay upright long enough to get it to them um you know and not get punished over and over and in order to do so we have to uh check out what's going on with the offensive line because honestly that has been the biggest uh issue for the bulldogs lately and it has been completely changed as far as the the uh, the offensive line staff of, of players that are, are going to be available this year, right, Jackson? It looks like there's been a little bit of an overhaul at this position. Yeah, I mean, it's changed dramatically. The Bulldogs had a preseason All-Mountain West player in Dante Bull, who, you know, some of the, based off of the comments today in our uh, live update thread, uh, I've got a thread of um, updates on players and injuries and uh, recruits and everything that, uh, appeared today, and um, there's some some skeptics of Dante Bull, but you know he's the most veteran offensive lineman of the group, and he was out today at practice. He's still coming off of a spring procedure, um, so I mean you take in the overhaul of the roster and take out Bull, and you've got a lot of question marks to deal with personnel wise. Um, you still got Mosey Bavaro and Bula Schmidt, who basically started all season long last year. 
you can expect them to be in the interior. But, I mean, there's a lot of positions up for grabs. Uh, there's eight newcomers, and there's a lot of players that departed last year that need to be replaced. Uh, of course, Alex Bakambulu, who uh, was recently signed by the Washington Commanders. Real good for him. After a uh, showing in some other football leagues for him, he earned a spot. Um, the, the Bulldogs also lost Matt Smith, of course, who started a lot of games at center over the years. They had Dante Adkins medically retired and started six games, I believe, last year. And uh, they had, I believe, eight total departures, some other guys that were contributing or competing. So, you know, a lot of spots to fill, and they did it. And they did it with players that are coming here to to try to knock off the returners. They've got Jacob Isaiah, a transfer from Michigan State. They've got three junior college offensive linemen. Anthony LaFrance is the most uh, hyped of the group as a potential contributor at target uh, at tackle for the Bulldogs. And you've still got some other players on the roster that, uh, you know, Braylon Nelson started some games. He's back. Torian Penwright was on the verge of playing and, and got some playing time late in the year. I mean, there's probably, you know, you include the transfers and the junior college guys about nine, 10, maybe more player Tyrone Sampson's in that group. So, there are a lot of offensive linemen that are trying to compete. And uh, Chris, I mean, if you're a red waiver, you ultimately it doesn't matter a whole lot who they are. It's just getting five guys out there that can do the job. And uh, I think they've got enough on the table to do it. Um, but they do need, for me, the most important thing is going to be settling on those five and getting some chemistry because you could have an offensive line that has two or three newcomers probably on it that just have no chemistry together. Um, they are, you know, they're very new to the offense. So this camp, I mean, you hope the competition sorts itself out as quick as possible and that they can mesh the, the starting five together. But um, as we've seen in past seasons with previous coaches, uh, I mean, the line could change from week to week. And I hope they can avoid that. And, and I think that's what, the staff would prefer. We've got Saga Tuatelli, who we've seen um, coaching the offensive line. He's a run game coordinator. He comes from a triple option background, leading all that group. And he comes from Army. So, you know, he's going to be um, <laughs> very uh, stern with the players. <laughs> and the, that, that atmosphere has been established pretty quickly there with the dogs. But, I mean, this is the most different looking group on the team. And it's just really tough to say what direction it's going to go. Now, usually for day one, we post like a depth chart of two deep, um, but there's so many new faces that uh, basically they only the returners were on the first teams today, and uh, we're, we're going to see in the coming days or maybe even weeks how some of the new guys kind of shake in and take over spots. Yeah, that's going to be kind of interesting to see the development of which direction the Bulldogs are going to go with on the on the offensive line position. So it's going to, it is open for interpretation, so to speak, as to what is going to happen there. So hopefully uh, things will shake out in the Bulldogs' favor uh, and they'll find some uh, some key players that will emerge. Uh, but uh, uh, they'll have to figure that out as fall camp starts to uh, progress now uh, for the Bulldogs. But the next position in line, uh, of course, still on offense, the tight end position. Now, this has been a position that uh, either either is very active or is very quiet. Uh, which which uh, category are they going to fall into this year, Jackson? <laughs> yeah, I think that's still uh, to be determined. Um, 
put you yeah. on the spot. I mean, tight end either is either either a great position or it just disappears completely, and we don't even know anything about a tight end uh, throughout the season. So this is going to be one of those interesting ones for you. Yeah, I think there will be a lot of tight end usage. There will be three or four guys that play a lot of snaps, but how many targets are they going to get? That's a big question. Um, I think Raymond Powell, you know, he's a super senior. He's going to be in position to, you know, I, I've been really impressed by what he's done in practice, but you know, opportunities were limited with the amount of tight ends the Bulldogs have had and obviously all the receivers they have to throw to. Uh, but the Bulldogs also had a big development today. Trey Watson was returned to the team. Uh, I mean, he was not ever off the team, but he missed all of spring with an injury, which he was coming off a true freshman season where he really impressed in practice. They tried a lot of different ways to, to get him the ball. Um, but still, overall, it was a, a low total just because of everything and all the competition there was for, for Target. So, I mean, those two guys, I think, are going to be impact players in the offense as far as receivers. But, again, how many targets realistically are they going to get? We will see. But I think they're going to be two very big weapons. And I think you'll see some other tight ends get the chance to be blockers and, you know, do the dirty work. Um, and, you know, those, some of those guys, that's exactly what they want to do. So that's where they're, that's why they're here. And, and so uh, there, there were two new additions uh, that we got to see today. Um, Sonny Exepra is a three-star recruit out of Arizona. I was pretty impressed by him. He's only listed at 6'2", 245, but looks a little bit bigger to me. Um, doesn't look like a true freshman uh, as far as you know, definition and all that goes. And then uh, a late graduate transfer came in, uh, Zach Hartfield from Eastern Michigan. Broke the news on that one a while back. Um, he is originally from Bakersfield, so he's a local guy. And, um, you know, there's going to be some, some battles for some of those roles in that tight end group. Um, but Watson and Powell's uh, very high ceilings. It's just a matter of how many times uh, Hayner can throw the ball their way. Yeah, so this is, a, again, another one of uh, wait-and-see kind of a progress of what, how the tight ends are going to shake out. But this is definitely a position that uh, uh, either makes or breaks the Bulldogs sometimes. Um, you know, with all of the wide receiver talent that's uh, on the Bulldogs this year, you think there may be an opportunity for a tight end to kind of slide into a, a key role of uh mismatches uh against defenses so maybe we'll see that happen maybe we won't only time will tell let's see what happens uh moving on we're gonna go on to the flip side of things and head over to the defense let's start off with the defensive line jackson that's going to be another one of those that lost a lot of key players last season um how do you see this kind of panning out um with some big names some big shoes to fill on the defensive line this year yeah, for me, I think the defensive line is the most intriguing spot on the team because there's a lot of different things that can happen there, um, but it doesn't feel like the floor of possibilities is as low as potentially uh, the struggles that could happen on the offensive line. I mean, you've got Aaron Mosby and Kevin Atkins, who graduated last year. They're both on NFL rosters. You lost Kwame Jones, who started a lot of football for the Bulldogs. He lost um, Ryan Bame, who was a one-year Graduate transfer who started some games for the dogs. And the, the big one that really hurt for Fresno State was in the spring after starting all spring, Evan Bennett uh, parted ways from the team. And he lost Julius Lewis. I mean, th that's enough losses that would, on a normal year, decimate a team like Fresno State. But 
At the same time, the Bulldogs bring back David Perales, the team captain and one of the best defensive ends in the Mountain West. Leonard Payne, who just had a fantastic season last year as his first time as a starter. You figure he'll take a step up even more as a leader at tackle. They went out and got Isaiah Johnson back to the Bulldogs from the transfer portal. Uh, He told us today he was just days away from being a UNLV Rebel where he committed before he got the call from Jeff Tedford uh, asking him to come back. Uh, And so that was a big get for Fresno State. Um, So you've got, I mean, three established starters. You've got a lot of other players on the roster that have played football. Um, I mean, played game time for Fresno State. You've got uh, Devo Bridges. You've got Matt Lawson. You've got Demarcus Johnson, albeit uh, Demarcus Johnson is going through some injury trouble right now. Uh, You've got some other returners as well. Uh, And then you've got a big group of newcomers. You've got Johnny Hudson, the junior college transfer, came in in the spring. Um, You've got two Stanford transfers, uh, Andres Fox at defensive end, who should be pushing Johnson as well there. You've got Joshua Pacola at tackle, the other transfer from Stanford. Um, Another transfer is supposed to be getting to the roster soon, John Sniffen as a junior college transfer. And five freshmen, a couple of those guys, looking like they could contribute. Um, My first look at some of those guys today in Bulldog uniforms. Fortunately, I got to see a lot of them in high school, but Jazan Jacks, Six foot five, two hundred and sixty. He's going to play defensive end. Uh, Miles Bailey, six foot three, two hundred and eighty three pounds. He's expected to be a defensive end. I mean, these are big bulldog freshmen, and uh, I mean, some of those guys almost have tackle bodies, but they have the athleticism to play end, which is really exciting. And then in, in the inside as well, you've got um, Gabriel Lightfoot, um, who is a six foot three, three hundred pound freshman, and Jacob Holmes, who's six foot one, two hundred eighty two. I mean, these guys are just about ready to contribute as well. Um, so, if the freshmen pan out, I mean, you've got some tremendous depth, um, but you are a little bit in danger of a, a drop off at some spots if if some of these additions don't pan out. You've got a big question mark at one defensive tackle spot, which, all things considered, is pretty fortunate if you're Fresno State and hopefully one of these guys can fill in and and take over that role um, and avoid any sort of weak point in that defensive line but I mean again a lot of positions up for grabs here on the two deep um, and we'll see how that shakes out over the course of spring but I was encouraged by what I saw today from a lot of the freshmen from guys like Fox um, Hudson had a really good spring and I'll be excited to see Smith and get out there as well uh, I think that the potential is uh, much higher for Fresno State in that group than the concerns could be if it doesn't work out. Yeah, so there's a lot of uh, a lot of room to grow on the on the defensive line there. So there's a good opportunity that uh, they they may ha- find uh, the the key players they need, but. Uh, uh, again, it's one of those positions where it's going to be very fluid, uh, so we'll have to see what happens there. Uh, next position, linebackers. Um, again, I think that's another position that kind of lo- saw some key players go this past year. Uh, so it's going to be another one of those where who's next, right, Jackson? Yeah, and another question is what exactly are they going to do on defense? Because the four-two-five that the Bulldogs played last year was a, a little unusual. I mean, it's more common in college football now, of course, but um, it was a, a shake-up to the roster. Uh, and when you only have two linebackers, you usually don't have as much depth as a team that, of course, going to run a four-three or a three-four. Um, but 
but just a big departure for the Bulldogs with Tyson Maeva, and they lived without him for a few weeks to end the season when he got hurt. Um, Lavelle Bailey and Malachi Langley are back, and the Bulldogs also went out and got another veteran, Raymond Scott out of USC, who we saw in the spring, a six foot two, two thirty five, um, looked the part, uh, very similar to Maeva in terms of being a, a you know a thicker run stopper type of linebacker. Um, so I think the Bulldogs did good there to um, backfill that loss. Um, not a lot of new guys in that room today for day one, but the only scholarship guy uh, was Tim Thomas, a freshman out of Stockton. Um, I mean, six foot two thirty five for him. I mean, he's built well, looks the part. I think he's going to be a guy that can definitely push uh, some of the fringe players on that too deep. Um, Tyler Mello has kind of led that group, but. Uh, some other players like Tanner Blunt, Blunt like Zeke Branham, uh, Phoenix Jackson, perhaps. These guys have been kind of on the edge, and I think Thomas is going to join that group pretty quick. Also in today was Seth Shite out of Merced, uh, true freshman, preferred walk-on. Um, so not a whole lot of change in that room today, but a lot of question marks. you got a new coach, new scheme. Not quite sure how it's going to look quite yet. Yeah, that's going to be an interesting uh... – Interesting one to, to 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 watch there, uh, because you know you've got the linebacker position, but then you also have the the nickel back position, right, Jackson? So there's a little nuance there that uh, also we have to account for. Yeah, and uh, no new players in that group either today, so that, that'll be a quick one to cover as well. Uh, Justin Houston and Amari Pater back. I don't expect a big shake up there, but the only change today was Maurice Norris a former walk-on who earned a scholarship over the offseason out of Sanger, uh, played at Orange Coast College before getting into Fresno State. He's going to join that nickelback room and be that fifth guy to replace Mark Brooks, who hit the transfer portal. Um, so between the linebackers and nickelbacks, that's one of the, again, kind of like the receivers, very stable room, not a whole lot of change going on there, not a lot of new faces. Uh, should be a pretty seamless for those groups this, this fall camp. Yeah, so the, that's going to be the the easy part of the defense. <laughs> not the not too much going on there, but the next position, uh, the cornerback position, kind of went back and forth a little bit this uh, off season, right, Jackson? I believe they brought in a a transfer uh, from what was it from Hawaii uh, to to come in yeah. and solidify that position. Yeah, so you've got Cam Lockridge coming in. He got here in the spring, um, but he was still in competition with two returners. And, I mean, Braylon Lux is back. He was very impressive looking today. I think he's put on a whole lot of muscle, uh, which is nice to see. Um, Bulldogs also have Kale Sanders Jr. back, who became a, a starter at times as a true freshman last year. Um, but they didn't stop there either. Um, they went out, they got Carlton Johnson, a junior college transfer who was uh, quite successful at Southern Utah. He was by uh, one outlet a, fresh, or a yeah, freshman All-American at the FCS level uh, before going to junior college at Riverside, and now he's here. Um, and you've also got Jamarion Briggs, who was one of the best commits in the Bulldogs class as a true freshman. Sure wouldn't count him out. Jalen Williams and Alzillian Hamilton are a redshirt freshman who uh, had high expectations coming in. We'll see if they break into the, the rotation this year. Um, but that's uh, all in the response to losing Deron Bland, of course. He graduated. He got drafted by the Cowboys. Um, 
didn't anticipate him to be an NFL draft pick exactly when he first got to Fresno State, but you could see the intangibles and the, the I mean, the track speed and athleticism he had. And then the Bulldogs also lost Waylon Free, who uh, started a lot for the Dogs and was part of that starting lineup and the rotation at cornerback last year. So uh, they've got two you know positions on that too deep to fill and look for Lockridge and a variety of different players that potentially earn that other spot. Yeah, that's gonna uh, that you know, watching <laughs> watching him go to the to the NFL, Jackson. That was a surprise to you as well, right? Uh, because we didn't see that coming when he first came in. Yeah, I mean, uh, when the first practice came, you know, there was I, I thought he might be a starter. I didn't exactly see NFL written on him, but then when you saw him play and you got to know him a little bit more and understand the. He just I mean, kept getting yeah. better and better as the season progressed. I mean, yeah, was... exactly. And the athleticism he had, I think we knew it here at Fresno State after seeing him, but it wasn't until the combine setting that people really realized what his potential could be at the next level. And um, so that certainly played out. Um, so it's kind of a weird spot for Fresno State. You didn't quite realize for a lot of the year you had an NFL cornerback. I mean, he didn't even start for much of the beginning of the season, um, but now you got to replace that spot and you got to replace three. And so you got a little bit of work to do there. Yeah. Uh, moving on to the next defensive position. Of course, last position is the safety position. Uh, one that is uh, the Bulldogs have seen a lot of success in the past. Are they in position to see uh, more of that here coming into the season? Yeah, again, the probably the back seven is one of the most um, con- consistent uh, spots on the, the Bulldogs roster. Um, Evan Williams and Elijah Gates are back, so you assume they're going to start and they're going to be really good for the Dogs this year. And even the second team guys are back. Goes early, Kosi Agina, um, you know, Stephen Comstock has, has pushed as well, the former quarterback, and uh, now he's been healthy for a full year. Maybe he gets a little more of a, a shot there. Um, you've got a couple of other guys on the roster, Krishan Gordon, who played a little bit, did some special teams things for the Bulldogs last year. Um, two new faces today, Jaden Davis, a graduate out of Bullard High School nearby, and uh, Michael Whaley, who uh, was just an interception machine at Her- uh, Hercules High School up in the Bay Area. So um, don't anticipate there's going to be a lot of opportunities for them this year, um, but very soon in the coming years, uh, those spots will start to open up. But Talked to Williams today, Evan Williams. He was um, uh, he's been working with Coach Coyle a lot during the off season. Uh, coach Coyle, the defensive coordinator and safeties coach, uh, spent a lot of time coaching NFL defensive backs, and uh, he spent a lot of time with Evan Williams in the, the film room. And um, really excited with what they might be able to, the kind of potential they might be able to tap from Evan Williams, who already was very very good for the Bulldogs before. Um, so I think more so the storyline of the safeties room is going to be how far these guys jump ahead uh, compared to really any position battles. Cause this one looks, you know, anything can happen over 30 days, but uh, this one looks pretty much settled. Yeah. And uh, that's, and that's been a key position for the Bulldogs over the years where they've had players like Philip Thomas uh, back there. I mean, it's, uh, it's been a, 
a revolving door of special talent after special talent, and uh, it, and this year is not going to be any exception. There's uh, some real talent back there, so uh, hopefully that will translate into a lot of interceptions for the Bulldogs this upcoming season. Um, but last but not least, Jackson, I couldn't be remiss if I if I did not mention what was going on with the special teams because sometimes they don't get enough love. And so let's spend a little time on special teams and the kicking game and, and see where that leaves the Bulldogs this year. Yeah, uh, there was one new face on the roster today uh, for the first day of practice, Dylan Lynch. He's a kicker out of Bakersfield at Liberty High School. Uh, I mean, was a very successful kicker. They're one of the best in the Valley, if not the best. And um, he was a late pickup for the Bulldogs. I was a little surprised he was still available, but seemed like a natural fit. I mean, you got a really talented kicker not too far from home, and he was available. Uh, so, I mean, I'm really glad Fresno State went out and was able to get him. Uh, he'll have to compete with Abraham Montano, though, who was uh, essentially perfect in four games for the Bulldogs kicking and replacement of Cesar Silva. And because Montano only played four games, he got to redshirt, so he's still got a lot of eligibility ahead of him. Um, the Bulldogs did add a long snapper this offseason, Nick D'Ambra, who was here in the spring. We'd seen him before. Uh, he does have some potential to do other things besides long snaps. He loves playing special teams and even was used on offense at his former school, Western Illinois, in the slot back position. Um, but the Bulldogs returned Carson King at punter. Um, they also have um, Andre Miano back, who competed for uh, kickoffs, and he should be doing some punting duties this year. Michael Munoz as well, another long snapper who's a sophomore on the team. Um, so there's just uh, six guys that are considered specialists on the roster, but they're going to be very critical. Um, probably the biggest question mark right now is going to be returns, which Nico Remigio, the graduate transfer from Cal, the wide receiver, he's expected to really be uh, a big-time weapon for the Bulldogs as a kick returner. Uh, he had a lot of success at Cal. I, I also cover quite a bit of Cal for 24-7 sports. And I, I can tell you he returned a few kicks that didn't count because of penalties um, that probably weren't game-changing or play-changing penalties either. Some of them were ticky-tack. Uh, he could have scored a couple more return touchdowns than what the box scores say. Um, but I think the punt return position maybe will be open to someone else, and we'll see how that changes. Um, but the big storyline there is John Baxter back for Fresno state. That's the special teams coordinator, uh, for a unit that was very, very special, but fun, not intended, uh, for the Pat Hill years when Baxter was the coach there and has not been very special, uh, for, you know, as far as returns and, and blocks go, the Bulldogs haven't been too big of a threat there. And I anticipate that's going to change. I was gonna say, I was gonna say Jackson. Uh, any chance that we're gonna see some of that magic from John Baxter uh, in his coaching uh, strategy that he used to used to do with uh, with Coach Pat Hill? Now Pat Hill used to let him do everything he wanted to do on special teams, include uh, including uh, using the best players on special teams. Is that kind of you know the mentality they want to take now with Baxter back? is trying to fit in the right pieces on special teams to make things happen because, let's face it, it it, it worked, but it also left your best players uh, vulnerable to injuries, right? Yeah, and this is going to be one of the interesting things for me because, <clears throat> excuse me, um, 
Coach Tedford and Coach DeBoer, really, over the last five years, um, the punt returns have been very conservative. <laughs> They've been mostly fair catching. Ronnie Rivers has been back there, and he's had good hands, but didn't really want to put him in harm's way. Keyshawn Johnson was back there before him, and it just felt like they were there to kind of fair catch and, and be, play it safe. Where, um, <clears throat> I mean, John Baxter, his whole thing is he wants a game plan for returns. He wants to score touchdowns. He wants to block kicks and block field goals and uh, has a week-by-week plan to do so. So um, I don't know if there will be any pull or tug as far as scheme there, but I would anticipate that Baxter was brought here to do what he does with special teams and that he's going to have full reign on it. And uh, if that's the case, uh, I think returns and blocks, which some of the rules have gotten a little more challenging for those areas, but I mean that's really going to be the focus here of getting that, those back to where they were for Fresno State. Uh, I mean, some of the other positions that don't get a whole lot of love have been very solid. I mean, Jacob Westbury was great for the Bulldogs as a long snapper, and uh, Blake Cusick was great for the Bulldogs as a punter. Both of those guys felt like they played uh, just a, more than four years, probably they did, or <laughs> Westbury did with you mean the they COVID left? rules. It, they, <laughs> yeah. they left? I, I didn't <laughs> like know they, they left. I thought they were still there. Yeah. Exactly. So um, I don't want to say that's now the special teams unit by any means, but usually, you know, the the common fan there, when you just say special teams, I think in returns and blocks and field goals and um, field goals have been decent and the Bulldogs have made some big ones, but the returns and the blocks, they just haven't been there and Baxter knows how to make those happen. Yeah, that's definitely something that uh, I know a lot of the fans miss. Uh, is the ability of, of returning a long kick for, for a touchdown or a punt return for a touchdown. Things that have been missing for quite some time now uh, since the uh, turnover of Pat Hill. Uh, I mean, there used to be times where you could count on a, a blocked field goal here or there and the Bulldogs scoring off of a blocked field goal. But that has pretty much been non-existent uh, since uh, Pat Hill was the head coach of, of the Bulldogs. None of that has happened since then. So it is, you've got to, you've got to wonder with the addition of John Baxter coming back to the Bulldogs, if that is a point of emphasis that they want to change. So it's something definitely to to keep an eye on. Uh, I, I am up. I'm very hopefully optimistic that they're going to change, but I'm also a realist in realizing that, uh, Tedford doesn't like to take chances. <laughs> so we'll see what happens on that front, right, Jackson? I mean, it, it, like you said, it could be a little bit of a tug and pull to try and figure out which direction they want to go with on special teams. Yeah, exactly. And um, yeah, that wasn't really something I had thought a whole lot of about until I asked the question recently. And I mean, yeah, <laughs> uh, Baxter is, knows what he's doing on special teams. He's got a lot of success on his uh, resume, but the way he does it is definitely different from the way Fresno State's done it in the recent years, and uh, maybe that's a reason why his, his resume worked. is a little more successful. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's a reason why it hasn't worked. I mean, it's just you know you got to you got to take some chances in order to make things happen, and uh, the the Bulldogs have been way too conservative the past few years. So maybe Baxter is the key to making things change on special teams. So. Let's let's keep our fingers crossed that uh, we we add a little bit of excitement, a little bit more excitement to uh, Bulldog games on special teams moving forward. Now, Jackson, of course, we could not end the podcast 
without heading back down the speculation rabbit hole of realignment for college football. And as of late, it's been, well, pretty quiet, right, Jackson? Not a whole lot going on with on the realignment uh, front, is there? Yeah, there's been a lot of stories and a lot of talk and a lot of storylines and a lot of speculation a lot of and you know, a lot of what is Yeah, exactly. And there's even the media days, and there's been actual people with power and <laughs> making uh, taking the podium and and talking, and you know, all the corporate commissioners have spoken out over the last week and. We're still at a point where we don't know when or what the next shoe is that's going to fall, the next domino, and, um, and what direction a lot of this stuff's going to go. Um, but we do have um, some more, <laughs> more speculating to do now after a lot of these discussions that have happened. And um, you know, there's been, of course, for Fresno State, a lot of talk about the Pac-12, Pac-10, whatever it's going to be called here. Um, and San Diego State has pretty been much been anointed by uh, media as the favorite to be added if there is an addition. And it does seem like Fresno State is very much in the mix for that number two, if not the favorite. Um, doesn't sound like there's a whole lot of other candidates. There's been Boise State discussed. There's been SMU discussed. But I mean, the Pac-12 they might not expand the two at all, or they might lose teams. And, you know, there's the ACC discussions. There's the Big 12 is on the hunt for Pac-12 schools. Um, you've got a lot of different agendas in the Pac-12. You've got schools trying to get to that next level, try to begin that Big 10. You've got schools that want to keep the Pac-12 together as is. Uh, you've got schools that don't know what they, <laughs> if the Pac-12 is sustainable. I mean, there's still a month later since our last discussion, I believe, a, a lot of what ifs. And um, we, we haven't quite hit the point yet where the next dominoes fall. Yeah, and, and uh, from what I've gathered, uh, the consensus is the next set of dominoes, uh, if they're going to fall, should happen somewhere after August 15th when uh, a couple of those media packages are finalized for either the Big Ten or the uh, Big 12. I'm not really sure which one gets finalized, but I know once one of those gets finalized, uh, they're the possibility of more dominoes falling will hop, happen right around that time. If they don't happen, it's probably going to be a sign that there's not going to be any further movement happening, and then the ball is going to be in the court of the pack, uh, the Pac-12, in order to try and and solidify themselves. Uh, because let's face it, if they do not make a move to add more teams, they could find themselves without any teams later in the future because uh, <laughs> they will probably end up being picked off by both the Big Ten and the the, uh, the Big 12. Uh, and then there will be maybe two or three teams uh, on the outside looking in, trying to figure out what to do next. Uh, some of those schools like TCU and Utah might find themselves without a conference. Um, if they're not careful. Um, so, uh, things, you know, things could change very quickly here, um, as far as what is going to happen. Um, but, uh, the Bulldogs being added to the PAC 12, I, I don't know, Jackson, I'm kind of at a point where I think it's kind of a long shot at the moment. Um, cause my gut feeling is, I think I see the Pac-12 pretty much imploding. <laughs> I don't know about you, Jackson, but I kind of see the writing on the wall on that conference. 
Yeah, I think um, it's a weird spot because if the Pac-12 sits together and, and says we're going to stick together and that two teams, then I think that's the path Fresno State potentially gets in. <laughs> I think that you know, again, them in San Diego State are are right there, and I mean, obviously that would be a best case for Fresno State and would be a dream. <laughs> but um, what else happens? I mean, the Big Twelve has been after four to six Pac-12 schools now for the last month, and will they successfully do that? Um, I mean, will the Pac-12 ex- exist as is if they're down to eight or six or even four schools? Um, you know, if they are very desperate, you assume there's no way Fresno State's left off of a four to six team type of expansion where um, it's a pretty diminished Pac-12, but it's still better than the Mountain West. And um, you've still got talks of the Pac-12 and the ACC. You know, both of those school uh, conferences are in danger of losing schools and maybe forming some sort of uh, agreement. Both conferences are close with the ESPN networks, which we know is a broadcast. Uh, contracts or what's driving most of this so yeah it's it's tough to call um the the one good thing especially for fresno state is that you know as we mentioned last time they were not a pac-12 candidate for the last 100 years and that changed the day usc and ucla got out and which is better than any chance fresno state's had before now and uh, we'll see if the, the dream scenario plays out or not no in the perfect world the the Big Twelve and the and the Big Ten decide, hey, yeah, we're good. Let's just stay where we're at. Uh, or maybe they somebody picks off two more teams out of the Pac-12, and then they're like, we're good. No need no need for any additional teams. And then the Pac-12 is sitting there going, oh crap, we're in trouble. <laughs> we only have you know, sure we have got eight teams now, but uh, we need more teams. So. Then they pull in, uh, you know, San Diego State. They pull in Fresno State, maybe even Boise, and maybe even add in an, another team from the Mountain West. But the problem with all of that is going to be is somebody's going to be left out of the of the whole scenario. And uh, I don't know if the, the Pac-12 is going to want to do anything right now. Um, they're, they're pretty much adamant that they – there's a lot of universities who do not want to see Fresno State in the Pac-12. Let's just put it that way. There's a little bit of a back bad blood going on there, but they may not have a choice, right, Jackson? Yeah, I mean, it's going to come down to what is going to get the Pac-12 the best TV contract and make a difference. I mean, if they are wanting, if the powers that be want them to have 12 teams and want California market south of the Bay Area, then uh, it seems like a no-brainer. Um, but if they put together a 12-team package, I mean, it could very well mean, you know, you're talking about the money spread out between 12 schools instead of 10. It, it might not net them any positive revenue. And in that case, they're not going to add two schools they don't want in their conference and take less money in the process. So uh, the, the TV revenue needs to make sense. And if it does, I could certainly see it happening, but I don't know how that's going to check out. And in another scenario as well, San Diego State is also being, their name is being thrown around not only to join the Pac-12, but also a possibility to join the Big, uh, the Big 12 or the Big 10. Uh, they, they, their name is being thrown around in all three conferences, which 
kind of rubs me the wrong way, Jackson. I don't know about you, but just to hear San Diego State's name in all three of those conferences, it doesn't sit right with me, man. <laughs> it, it just doesn't. But but that that has been, been that topic has been thrown around quite a bit lately as far as San Diego State. And if you're San Diego State right now, you are um, just in you know eating it up you're you're enjoying every minute of it because you know your negotiating power has just gone up when you keep getting your name thrown around quite a bit yeah that, i mean that's been discussed potentially with the big 12 to kind of push the pac-12 i mean if the pac-12's top candidates are fresno state and san diego state and the big 12 just jumps in and takes one of them before the pac-12 can make a decision uh, boy would that be an interesting play um, but I think ultimately, I mean, the Big 12 has 12 teams right now. And they've got their eye on the four four corner schools of the Pac-12, Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, Utah. And, um, you know, if they took those four and went to 16, I think they'd be pretty good about themselves. Maybe they could even take Oregon and Washington as well. Um, but, yeah, still a lot of different ways for this to go. And um, San Diego State seems like it's the team with the most to gain from all this. but. Fresno State can very well be number two uh, if uh, things work out right. You, you know what I just thought of? I'm, I'm kind of curious to know what's going through Coach DeBoer's mind at the moment. <laughs> um, no, just just playing devil's advocate. You, you, you leave for a university in Pac-12, and then a year later come to find out your Pac-12 is almost imploding. So it, kind of a kind of a, a twist of uh, of events there happening for that coach, but it is what it is. Uh, realignment again will be revisited probably in the next couple of weeks. We should start seeing uh, some movement, if any, uh, were to happen here in the near future. So we'll keep an eye on that. If something were to break um, sooner rather than later, of course, Jackson and I will hop on as quickly as possible to relay that information to you. Um, but other than that, uh, barring Fresno State getting a an invitation within the next week or so, <laughs> we should be back on again uh, to on a regular basis to report on the stat. Uh, the state of bulldog football so stay tuned for that as we continue to to give you all the latest news and information for the bulldogs that being said jackson any final thoughts as we uh wrap up this show yeah just uh stay tuned to barkboard.com i mean this is fall camp time it's one of the busiest times of the year on the website we're posting daily updates from practice all the inside scoop of course it's only open to the media so we try our best to be the eyes and ears for all the red waves and uh, there's no limits on what we can do on the internet, so we can post as, as much stuff as we can handle, and uh, that's what we aim to do over the, the month of August. Again, daily updates, um, updates on the two deep, what's going on there, uh, exclusive interviews, full-length interviews, and uh, a whole lot of other features. We'll be featuring all the, the newcomers and their progress as well, and uh, a lot of other fall features we have. And again. Um, if you're not a Barkboard VIP subscriber, you can go join now for 50% off of your first year. Um, that sale is going to run for about a week, uh, so don't miss it. It should end on the, the 9th at 9 p.m. Um, and again, if you are a VIP subscriber but you're only on a monthly subscription, uh, you can also upgrade to this sale. Um, 
and again, you'll save yourself a whole lot of money. Excuse me, it's going to be July or August eighth is the deadline at nine p.m. Um, so, got about a week uh, to take advantage of that. But um, I would encourage you if you're a big Bulldog fan, uh, the day one updates are some of the best ones. So <laughs> go ahead and uh, go grab that now. Uh, as soon as we're done with this podcast, I'm going to get my insider notes together and my day one report, and uh, that should all be out by the time you're listening to this. Awesome. Um, and also, uh, and a little bit of a news update for the podcast. We are now available on several new platforms uh, for those of you who are on Samsung phones. We are now also available in the Samsung uh, podcast uh, portal. Uh, we're also available in the iHeartRadio portal if you uh, listen to music through that app. Uh, we're also available there. And of course, you know, iTunes. Uh, Google platform. I mean, you name it. We're just about on every platform available now uh, to listen to our podcast. So if uh, if you're a fan of the show and want to get other people uh, interested, please spread the word about the podcast as we continue to grow this show um, day by day and trying to get you all the latest news and information uh, to you uh, on a regular basis. That being said, uh, if you're looking for Jackson, you can find Jackson on Twitter at JacksonMoore247. You can find me on Twitter at RedWaveReport. Uh, you can also head over to the, our Facebook page and uh, look that up. Just do a search for TheBarkBoard.com, and you can find a, our Facebook page there as well. And, of course, as always, if you're not a member yet or a subscriber to TheBarkBoard.com, head over to our website where we have both free and premium um information available but the premium way is the way to go and of course it is not all that expensive uh well, you can probably get our subscription like jackson said uh for less than a tank of gas at the moment so <laughs> um that being said i want to thank everyone for joining us join us again next week as we continue the ongoing coverage of fresno state athletics